Hey, this is Nick here. I wanted to send a quick message to the founders out there. If you're raising your first round of capital and you're not located in the Bay Area, New York City, or Boston, we'd love to connect with you. Newstack leads deals for founders that don't fit the standard Silicon Valley profile and are located in undercapitalized areas. If that describes you, or if you know a startup that fits that description, please send us an email. It's team at newstack.vc. Now here's a word from our partners. This episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western is the leading provider of venture debt and banking services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. Welcome to the podcast about investing in startups, where existing investors can learn how to get the best deal possible. And those that have never before invested in startups can learn the keys to success from the venture experts. Your host is Nick Moran, and this is The Full Ratchet. Welcome back to The Full Ratchet. On today's special segment of Investor Stories, the investors address trends, sectors, and markets that they think are positioned for outsized returns in the future. This is the segment called What's Next? On today's special segment, we have Ethan Kurzweil of Bessemer Venture Partners. Ethan, what sectors or trends are you following that may have significant impact in the coming years that you're particularly bullish on? The movement of video from uh, television to the web or, or to the internet and mobile, eventually all content will be delivered over the internet in some way. I mean, it still may be controlled by a lot of the same players as today, but, but that shift is radical and massive. I mean, no longer the Comcast cable bundle. It'll now, content owners will have some piece of it, and Comcast will have some piece of it, and um, startups will have some piece, like Twitch created a whole new category around esports, and, and beyond that, just you know, gaming as entertainment content and came out of nowhere. Um, so there'll be massive things like that going on. I think the the movement of live video to the to the internet and mobile, you know, the, the, we have the bandwidth speeds now to deliver live effectively, and we have actually developer platforms play a role in that. Companies like PubNub that enable enable uh, the movement of those bits in real time around is a really significant piece of it. But that's that's what's enabled things like Periscope and Facebook Live to exist and Twitch. That's a trend I'm I'm following from the consumer angle as well as from the developer one. Any thoughts on why gaming? took off the way it did at the time it did? Well, there's always been an entertainment factor around gaming. There's right. always been a phenomenon there. Um, it's just people didn't quite get it in the way that it made sense as an entertainment offering, but it's always there. I mean, think about going to a friend's house and watching them play video games on their couch. People enjoy that. And so it's a mix of there's that, there already is this human desire to play games together. It's not new or different. We, we had that already. And so what's the right way to bring that to the internet and make that bigger and an internet enable it in the same way that, you know, Facebook allows us to share photos and things like that. So that's why I think Twitch took off in terms of the timing. I think the timing was sort of enabled by the tech being the bandwidth being there to be able yep. to deliver bits in the high enough quality. I mean, you, I mean, you got to take them up and then put them down. Yep. So, you know, the capture technology being there, upload bandwidth being at the right level so that you could actually provide a high-quality user experience. And Twitch had a lot of experience doing that because they were born out of Justin TV where they were streaming all kinds of things. Um, and so they were sort of 
they identified this trend really early. They had the enabling infrastructure to actually provide it. Twitch did everything themselves. There was no you know, AWS for what they were doing. They, they, they don't use CDNs that much. I mean, they, maybe they do a little bit, but they really provided their own video streaming infrastructure. So they, they had that infrastructure. They knew how to use it, and they, they understood the power of this market. And then the rise of esports also, um, that, that's not to be forgotten, League of Legends and the others. Um, that, that's sort of, by its very nature, a spectator sport that people enjoy watching. On today's special segment, we have John Buttrick of Union Square Ventures. John, what sectors or trends are you following that you're particularly bullish on in the coming years? Well, I think one area that we're very interested in is the blockchain. We have a company, Coinbase, which is the leading Bitcoin company, uh, exchange and wallet. But we're also very interested in non-financial blockchain applications. And during the last few years, we've made a, a number of seed investments in companies, uh, a company called Open Bazaar, which is trying to develop a, 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 a zero-take-rate marketplace based on the blockchain, um, a company called Mine, uh, which is focused on putting creative works on the blockchain. We've got uh, one of my partners led a small investment company called OneName, which is focused on identity around the blockchain. So that is something, the blockchain, generally speaking, is an area that we are laser focused on. And we think it has uh, some really interesting applications. We've also more recently been focused on healthcare. My partner, Andy, in particular, and one of our analysts, Jonathan, has been doing a lot of deep dives in healthcare. We've made two investments in that area, a company called Figure One, which is essentially Instagram for doctors. Yep. And then there's a company called Nurix, which is a recent YC company that we've made an investment in. I hope it's announced. Um, I can't remember. <laughs> I may have been speaking out of school. Um, a company that delivers prescriptions uh, in, in, in a very uh, easy way. We continue to be interested in financial services. That's an area that I'm particularly interested in in the later stage, and I've done a number of financial services investments. Uh, we still think we're in the first or second inning of restructuring financial services uh, for consumers and institutions, so that's not new. We're also focusing a lot on education. Uh, we have been since the 2008 fund, uh, so this is, again, a a theme, an area where uh, we're making investments. We made the most recent investments in a company called Quizlet, which my partner Fred led. So I think those are sort of four areas that we're particularly focused on, but we're also just interested in, you know, good companies that create network effects that don't fall into those four categories. And there are probably some examples of those. On today's special segment, we have Charles Hudson of Precursor Ventures. Charles, what sectors or trends are you following that may have significant impact in the coming years? Oh, that's a really good question. Boy, that's a really good question. <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a people-driven investor than I am sort of a trends and theme-driven investor. So I tend to look at like, well, where are the interesting people that are showing up in my inbox and show up in my office? Like, what are they working on? 
I would say last year it was definitely robotics was like a hot area. And that was more just based on the people that I that I pay attention to and who I admire and respect. A lot of them were moving in that direction. I'd say I'm now seeing some things that the kind of intersection of genomics, genetics, and kind of IT as being a really interesting area. I don't have the technical depth to do a lot of that work, but it's an area that I think is interesting. I do think we're in the early days of automation. I think that there's still sort of a lot to be done there. And I think that there's still large chunks of of kind of our daily lives where, where software does not have as meaningful uh, a role as I think it will have. So I know those are kind of vague, but a lot of it, a lot of my investing ends up being driven by the interests of the people that I get to know. And I take sort of their interests as uh, as an input into where I should spend my time. Do you take more of a an active or strategic approach towards creating a point of view around a new market, or is it more reactive or opportunistic? You know, as you get pitches that are coming in that seem interesting, you like the team, um, you're intrigued, then you go out and sort of craft a thesis around around that sector or that market. You know, a lot of time, I would say fifty percent of my activity, rough and tough, is stuff that I'm proactively telling people I want to see more companies like X. I have an active interest in X, Y, and Z market. The other half is stuff that just like comes through the door that I meet people and I try to be open to meeting people who are working in markets that I don't understand. And sometimes I just learn. And, and for me at the stage that I invest, like I'm a big believer in, in sort of keeping an open mind and having a beginner's mind. And so people will send me things like I've looked at some things in digital health where it was not an area that was sort of at the top of my list. But I started meeting founders and I'm like, okay, well, what would I have to understand about this company and this market to feel comfortable moving forward? And how can I get up to speed on that? That will conclude this installment of Investor Stories. If you're enjoying the program and would like to see it continue, take a moment and leave a five-star review in iTunes. Also, if you'd like updates on new content from TFR, as well as the top 10 VC articles every week, go to fullratchet.net and sign up for the newsletter. Okay, that will wrap things up for today. Until next time, overprepare, choose carefully, and invest confidently. Thanks for joining me. At this point, if you're a VC, you've heard of Carta. You've probably even accepted securities from a portfolio company on the platform. It feels like every new company is using Carta, and there's already 16,000 VC-backed companies on the platform. They also offer tools and services for VCs like fund administration. Carta has an army of fund accountants delivering high-quality service and dedicated teams of engineers constantly improving the functionality of their user-friendly investor platform with in-app quarterly reporting, real-time fund metrics, LP portals, and more. It's also easy to switch from an existing fund administrator or to augment your in-house team with their service. Learn more about their services at carta.com forward slash investors. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. 
Pacific Western specializes in providing financial services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors, helping to navigate financial obstacles by providing access to funds and expertise. Pacific Western's customized products and team of venture banking specialists provides a banking experience designed specifically with startups and VCs in mind. If you run a tech company or if you invest in tech companies, it's strongly advisable that you build a relationship with the folks at Pacific Western. Go to PacWest.com to learn more. 